0: Hello and welcome to the new edition of Forever Leeds from the University of Leeds Alumni Department. I'm Rich Williams, I'm a politics student, well, from back in 2004, and also a radio and TV presenter. And if you've studied at Leeds, or you're there right now, or you're just thinking of applying in the future, this Is the podcast for you? We will be bringing you news and insight into what's happening in Leeds today. Hearing intriguing stories from the university's past and meeting some fascinating students, old and new. The new term is underway. The campus is getting nice and busy. I was feeling a twang of jealousy walking in thinking I wish it could be me all over again but we're really excited to bring you everything that's happening uh, from Leeds University Uh, my co-presenter is Alba Goskova back in Leeds you're back uh, for another tour we did our first podcast and you weren't in Leeds and we had to do it remotely and that was the world then but now the uni's busy you're back in and we're we're here we're actually in the Leeds student radio studios at the moment recording this so welcome back to Leeds how's it been coming back? Thank you Rich
1: it's actually amazing it feels good to be back the energy is there the students are back and it just feels like my first year all over again.
0: Well, you're in third year now, right? Journalism? Yes. So this is right at the start of the year. You've got your final year ahead of you. What have you got to do for your final year? What are you looking forward to and, and where are you at with it all?
1: Well, different from like a traditional dissertation, I'll have to do an individual project. So maybe like a documentary in TV or radio. I haven't decided yet.
0: And when you came back to Leeds from sort of your summer break, because last year was naturally interrupted you here for a bit and then you went... Home for a bit. You're an international student and you came back. When you came back this time, uh, a couple of weeks ago, what was that? Feeling like when you sort of walked back into the university steps, whether it was the Parkinson steps or by the refectory, or how did it feel?
1: To be honest, it felt like home. It was amazing, and it was just a different energy and a good vibe.
0: Awesome. Well, like I said, I am slightly jealous of the fact that you're still in in uni life, and I'm looking from afar uh, as well. Now we had a great response to our first podcast over the summer, so thank you so much for everyone who got in touch.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. So do tweet us at Leeds Alumni to let us know what you think and what you like to hear on the podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking to the visionary engineer who put leads on the cutting edge of architecture in the 60s. The very first planning officer for the university, Jeffrey Wilson, has just celebrated his 100th birthday. He'll tell us how he took charge of the university's post-war expansion when it grew from just 3,000 to 33,000 students, and how iconic creations like the Roger Stevens Building and the Edward Boyle Library gave one side of campus a functional, brutalist look that was copied by universities across the
0: country. Plus, everyone who's anyone went to the University of Leeds We'll be talking to the Labour MP Jess Phillips about how her time in Leeds shaped her politics changed her life and fed her love of dance music and we'll be talking to a mix of students and graduates about life in Leeds at the start of a brand new term
1: Forever Leeds comes up monthly so don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts Spotify or your favourite podcast app You'll get every episode automatically as soon as it comes out and let us know what you think of the podcast by tweeting us at Leeds Alumni We'd love to hear from you
0: Fighting climate change is a critical priority for the world right now, with the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change recently declaring a code red for humanity. Now, in the run up to the COP26 climate conference, we've seen a spread of initiatives from the rollout of smart meters and renewable energy all the way up to a national goal of net zero carbon emissions in the UK by 2050. But could part of the answer lie in the natural world? A new study co-authored in Leeds has found that restoring the world's depleted peatlands could reduce greenhouse gases in the atmosphere and have huge economic benefits to society. Professor Julia Martin-Ortega from the School of Earth and Environment at Leeds is the co-author of the report and she's here with us now. Uh, Julia, hello. Welcome to the podcast, first and foremost.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much for having me and also thank you for putting the focus on pitlands which are such an important ecosystem for us all so thank you.
0: We don't have long with you because you've got teaching to do this afternoon.
2: Exactly my first face-to-face teaching in 20 months so I'm very excited and I don't want to be late.
0: Well it's, it's great to have you here and you're originally from Seville and obviously the natural step was to move from beautiful sunny Seville to well, a slightly drizzlier Leeds which we've got at the moment.
2: Well if I told you that actually I came to Leeds by Aberdeen in the north of Scotland <laughs> okay. this actually feels like the south again so. <laughs> (laughs)
0: Let's talk about peatlands. What role do they play in in the changing climate?
2: Peat actually is the result of the decaying organic material. So when you have trees and the leaves fall from the trees, they start to decompose and they decompose in a particular way and they form peat. Now, because of the conditions in which this organic material degrades, they capture, they keep the carbon in them. So that's why they are so important for climate change is because they actually are natural, massive storage of carbon. So that
1: sounds also interesting. I would like to know what personally brought you to this area of research
2: and how did you come to Leeds? Oh, well, so I came to Leeds because the School of and Environment and specifically the Sustainability Research Institute, but also water at Leeds. So all the, the research that happens in Leeds around water is actually a really, really powerful uh, knowledge base, so somebody who works in water and water ecosystems like I do, if you have the opportunity to come to Leeds, which I did through a, you know, there was a position, in a way you're, you're going to the place where the knowledge is being produced or at the top on the area that I'm very passionate about. So I just came following my passion for work and this was a, a, a really fantastic place to do so. Now how I came to Pitlands more specifically, I have always worked in water ecosystems and specifically I have specialized on trying to understand how the complex processes that happen in an ecosystem, the complex biophysical processes that happen in an ecosystem, how do they have impacts and consequences for people? In that context, uh, you know, I was traditionally studying, for example, in, in Spain, I was studying rivers and how the rivers get dry because, uh, you know, decrease on, on rain. When I actually, for the first time, uh, heard somebody talking about pitlands, I realized that they are really complex and I have to say that in the beginning you think about peatlands that they're like bleak ecosystem I'm now finding that absolutely gorgeous and beautiful so you get seduced by peatlands I would say.
1: I think when we usually talk about peatlands or when we hear about them we don't really know their significance. And you mentioned that peatlands store a lot of the world's carbon, which is an incredible amount. So how do you say you'd go about restoring peatlands?
2: Yes, that's a very, a very important question. So as I say, they naturally uh, store the carbon. They, In a way, they are carbon. So that's why they store it. However, the way we have been using them, for example, we have been burning them either for fuel traditionally, you know, and this is, for example, very typical in Ireland. People did use in Ireland and in Scotland, they use the peatland the as a fuel for their houses. But also, for example, in Scotland, in some other areas in the UK, is they've been burned for grouse shooting, you know, as a recreational activity in other cases because they're they, because they are waterlogged they have they hold water in them they're difficult to walk in so they're not the best for grazing you know the sheep have a hard time going in so if you're a farmer and you need to use the land for grazing it's been quite common to drain them so to dry them up all these things are breaking their natural equilibrium that happens inside the pitland. and this means that they move from storing the carbon to releasing the carbon so what do we need to do to restore them is well stop those activities, stop the burning, stop the drainage. And in some cases, the damage is such already that we actually need to do more active interventions to try to recuperate and bring them back to where they were. And for example, one of the partners that we work with are doing the sort of uh, core of the pitland that keeps it alive is the is the moss. So we have, a it's called sphagnum, which is a, a particular type of pitland-related moss. So sometimes we have to go back and plant, if you want to put it that way, plant this moss again, so it starts regenerating the land. Or, for example, in the places which is very, very degraded and you have erosion, so essentially you have like a stream of water carrying the materials away, carrying the soil away, where you have to put some ditches or some sources of material that will retain the water and will allow the peatland to go back to this process of letting the organic material slowly settle, slowly degrade in its own a special way which is slowly so it can keep the carbon
0: uh, It's been fascinating uh, hearing from you today thank you for taking the time to join us here on Forever Elite just finally if, if anyone listening wants to find out a little bit more maybe something that they can do maybe they've been inspired or they want to know more they want to see more about the peatlands where's the best place for them to go?
2: There is a lot of places uh, we have a website in the School of Earth and Environment which if you just google peatlands and the public and then School of Earth and Environment you're going to find it that's that's our work so obviously we're not the only one working on this but then I will encourage reach the people this is like a, a more academic version but if you want to really get out there there is a lot of organizations that work uh, on pitlands they're on the ground for example we work with people like the Yorkshire Peatland Partnership we work with people like morsel for the Future all these are local organizations here in Yorkshire the North Pennine as well all these are like trusts and organizations and they are the, they're the real heroes in this because they are the ones who are going there in completely rainy muddy days and they put the, the peatland restoration interventions and if people are interested to know more about them also maybe to get involved in actually volunteering for restoring the pitlands around their home i would encourage you to to check with these kind of organizations which are doing a really good work
0: thank you so much for joining us really really appreciate it julia martin ortega from the school of earth and environment we better let you get off
2: thank you so much it's been (laughs) a pleasure and i just hope this sort of insights the people a little bit too when they go around and they see the moors to say that they have a lot of value and beauty on them so thank you for having me thank you for your time
1: Leeds produces more than its fair share of achievers. There are Leeds graduates in business, music, theatre, the sciences, sport, and politics too. In each episode of Forever Leeds, we talk to notable people whose lives were shaped at the university. This time, it's one of the boldest voices in Labour Party politics, an independent minded MP who has stood up for women's rights and fought online abuse and she's now the Shadow Minister for Domestic Violence and Safeguarding. She studied economic, social history and social policy at Leeds from 2000 to 2003. It's Birmingham Yardley MP Jess Phillips.
3: I'm Jess Phillips and I'm the Labour MP for Birmingham Yardley. I'm from Birmingham. I'm also the Shadow Front Bench Lead for Domestic Abuse and Safeguarding for the Labour Party. My favourite thing about going to Leeds University is that I absolutely loved the city of Leeds and I loved the place where I lived. So I lived in the sort of Hyde Park area and I lived three doors down from the Hyde Park picture house. It's an old cinema in Leeds, which I presume is still there. And they used to film period dramas and things in the cinema because it was an old cinema. So we used to sit in our house on Brudenell Road. I still remember the postcode because it was one Jack Daniels JD. We used to sit with our legs hanging out of the windows watching like Martin Clunes drive up and down in vintage cars because they used to film quite a lot of dramas there. But I absolutely loved the city of Leeds. I think coming from a place like Birmingham, it's a really, really big city and there's loads of it that you don't get to see or be part of. And what I felt about Leeds was that it was a big city with a city feeling and the had all the good shops and bars and restaurants and culture, but it was manageable and you felt like you could get to know it as a place. Also the people, I've got to say, this has stayed with me my whole life, is that people in Yorkshire think that everything comes from Yorkshire and that Yorkshire is the centre of the known universe and I thought that my dad was like taking the mick when he used to say to me oh well he's a Yorkshireman." and he would say that like I used to think that was just a sort of slight against my auntie who was from Leeds that he would say but when I went there I remember being in a taxi one time <laughs> this taxi driver telling me that the only place there was a Bank of England was in Leeds so I was like that is provably untrue my friends <laughs> I learnt to love this sort of I worked at the Royal Armouries Museum whilst I was at Leeds University and some of the people that you would meet, but it was it was as if Leeds was literally the centre of the world and they thought that like nothing happened outside of Yorkshire and I just, I found that to be really charming actually. At first I thought it was silly and then I found it to be a really charming thing about, about Yorkshire so I really, really liked the people. I remember I had one brilliant professor in social policy and he was called Kirk Mann and he was obviously sort of of the very left dint that i had grown up with of sort of activism and he wrote books and um i studied like the idea of a welfare underclass under the labor years whilst i was at leeds university with him but i actually think that my time at leeds university politically the thing it gave to me and it, it crystallized for me was that i didn't care about the theory of politics i cared about the action of it the way that it affects people's lives the way that the welfare state at the time had rights and responsibilities in it about how that affected single moms, how refugee communities were affected, and it was because of studying social policy rather than politics. that I think actually my political activism for the rest of my life became much more about the real politic than political theory. I vividly remember being in my first year in university flat and the people from downstairs, they were foreign students. I think that they were from either Malaysia or somewhere in that bit of the world, Indonesia, Malaysia. And it snowed. It snowed one December and these two young women going outside and crying in the snow because they had never seen it before and I think that that's one thing about going to university that's really really important is that you meet people whether it's some bloke who went to Eton and his family are financiers in Hong Kong and don't live with him uh, in your politics class you are in basically corridors with people who are nothing like you. I don't think I'd ever really met a conservative person before I went to university. You know, I thought I had, but it was just like some local Graham over the road. But then they were there talking to me about their ideas and they believed them as much as I believed mine. And I just was a bit like, oh my God, I didn't realise these people existed. That I think is a brilliant thing about a university experience is it exposes to people with different culture to you. And I thought that I was very cultured because I come from Birmingham and we have lots of different people from all over the world. But I'd never seen somebody cry at the sight of snow The me then, what would I think of the me now? I think that I'd be surprised at the level of work that I do, and my ability to hit a deadline has definitely changed. And sometimes, like, you know, we're sort of forced to be slightly anti-intellectual and be like, oh, there's no point going to university sort of thing. You know, I've got teenage sons, um, one who's just about to sort of embark on that journey himself and the cost of it and everything. And you you really do have to think, you know, what did I actually learn? What did I get from university that I think is worth it to encourage my own children and the children in my constituency to do it? And what I got, what I really, really, really got was, I think, a better understanding of how politics affects ordinary people's lives and why that was going to be the thing that I would always remain focused on. I remember part of my course, I we did it with the local prison and we visited the prison and we had prisoners working with us on the university course. And there was a number of mature students who had kids and would always speak so much more eloquently than me, an 18-year-old whose mum was paying my rent about you know how she interacted with the welfare system and things, and I, I, that was, it was really, really eye opening for that reason. But the thing I truly learned from going to university and the discipline of just having to write stuff when I mean, I've written three books, that definitely comes from the years of the discipline of just sitting down and writing 12,000 words and just knowing that you have it in your head and that you have the confidence to know that you can write something argue something critically analyze something I definitely learned those things at university and then you know practiced them in real life so yeah I think that that's what Leeds taught me the woman who went to Leeds University if I'd said to her you're going to be a member of parliament I think she would have been like nah you, you've got that wrong definitely not that's that's for toughs like you know but
0: here I am When you look back on your time at Leeds, you might think of the beautiful Parkinson building, the iconic red brick Great Hall, or the ever-growing University Union. Or your mind might go to the incredible futuristic landscape of the university's brutalist buildings from its expansion in the 60s. The Edward Boyle Library... The famous Red Route, the second longest corridor in Europe, as legend would have it. Get a stitch going halfway through there. And the science fiction edifice in concrete now known as the Roger Stevens Building. All came about in an explosive period of expansion in the 60s and early 70s. The driving force behind them was the university's first planning officer, Geoffrey Wilson. Born in Bradford in 1921, he studied civil engineering at Leeds and he was behind the decision to appoint the architects who had designed the Barbican in London to reimagine the University of Leeds. Geoffrey Wilson has just celebrated his 100th birthday. Tom Davey of Leeds Student Radio has been finding out more about the origins of the Leeds look.
4: Edward Boyle and Roger Stevens are some of my favourite buildings on campus because I really like just how unlike everything else on campus they are.
5: It's all connected and you don't have to go down all of the stairs to get to Roger Stevens, you can just go through there, you're avoiding the rain, it's all good fun.
4: From student testimonials, it's clear that the buildings certainly have a unique allure. Yet, none of this would have been possible without Jeffrey Wilson was appointed as the university's first planning officer in 1947 by then vice chancellor sir charles morris i spoke to Geoffrey and asked him about his time studying teaching and working in leeds as one of your first achievements in leeds you began the country's first course in architectural engineering what inspired you to do this
6: after the war uh, dr evans who had been uh, teaching me as a student in 1938 I uh, asked me to be his le- first lecturer. He was made head of a new department, and uh, I went up and uh, the two of us ran the department for the first year all by ourselves. i have never known such a hard work.
4: Yet his position as solely a lecturer wouldn't last long, as his expertise was needed in expanding the campus.
6: The whole business of the design of campus arose uh, when uh, the architect, Dr. Lodge, produced some designs for a new engineering building. Uh, And uh, he, he went and put laboratories containing steam engines and turbines on an upper floor. And we were speechless because he'd obviously never been to the department, he'd no idea what we needed. The Vice-Chancellor said, "I, I could do with you to advise me on architectural matters. And so he persuaded me to take a post as resident architect.
4: Before working with Chamberlain, Powell and Bond to complete their vision for campus, he oversaw many different architectural styles. He was responsible for finishing the clock tower in the Parkinson building, designing student halls of residence such as the Henry Price building, and constructed the engineering block, the arts building and the refectory to name a few. However, was most enthralled when given the opportunity to work with Chamberlain, Powell and Bond in creating new buildings for the campus. Peter
6: Chamberlain. Uh, spent a day by himself wandering round the campus. Then he spent a day with me discussing all the problems and so on. He listened to everything I said most carefully. And when we went over to dinner, he produced his marvellous uh, book on the development of the Barbican in London. Well, this was really impressive. And... Uh, we checked on the other buildings in had uh, were uh, outstandingly good. We visited Golden Lane Estate, which was uh, won a prize, and um, I recommended him outright to the Vice-Chancellor.
4: After employing Chamberlain, Powell and Bond to work on the university, Geoffrey spent much of his time seeking funding for the projects.
6: When it was boiled down, uh, I had the job of uh, selling other people's ideas, like Chamberlain, to the city engineer and to the departments and so on, and to the grants committee.
4: One of the projects that Geoffrey fought for on behalf of Chamberlain, Powell and Bonn would go on to change the very nature of not just the university campus, but the city itself.
6: Chamberlain, suggesting that that part of the road that separated the medical school and the university uh, was should really be underground because a surface road would destroy the unity of the whole situation.
4: Thanks to Jeffrey's determination, the proposal for an elaborate ring road system was scrapped in favour of the underground tunnels which we use today.
6: Uh, delighted with Chamberlain's proposals and uh, put a lot more of the road as a ring road underground Hmm. with flyovers wherever it came across radial roads.
4: Geoffrey's work has had a lasting impression on the university and the wider city of Leeds. He had the foresight to see the advantage of having a unified vision rather than the piecemeal approach to planning and expanding the university. As a final question, I asked Geoffrey what his favourite building was on campus.
6: Uh, yes, I've been thinking about that and it's undoubtedly the Henry Price building. And we built the mock-up in the basement of the Parkinson building and I slept there several nights. We criticised the locks, the handles, the bedding and everything you could imagine in a little room, And the, the result was very satisfactory, I gather.
4: The buildings that he has worked on remain fresh in the stories and memories of students past and present and will continue to influence the students of the future.
1: Finally, it's the start of a new academic year, which means students have flocked back to Leeds. So we've brought together a mix of undergraduate and postgraduate students and recent graduates to remind us what Leeds is like at this hectic time of year and share more about each
5: of their own journeys to Leeds.
0: Yeah, we've got three guests with us at the moment. Do you want to introduce yourselves then? We'll, we'll move around and you can tell us who you are and your connection to Leeds at the moment.
7: Hi, my name is Kinga. I'm a second year law student. Hi, I'm Lucia. I'm a recent graduate. I just finished my criminal justice and criminology degree. I got a first class degree in that, so yeah, pretty
8: good. Hi, I'm Kevin. I'm doing professional studies with the Lifelong Learning Centre and I'm a part-time student, but I'm in my first year still.
0: Really nice to meet you all. I'm going to start with you, Kinga, because you're back for second year, right, after a pretty disrupted first year so what's it been like getting back on campus and getting back into the swing of things
5: yeah it has been really good i would say it's more that like being on campus for the first time than rather than being back on campus but it has been really good to have in-person seminars and i feel like i'm getting a lot more out of them now and also being able to join societies in person has been really good and in general just coming onto campus and there being like a well nice welcoming feel on campus has been really nice
0: what was that feeling like when you sort of walked in like right now i've finally arrived.
5: Well, I would say that was more in Freshers' Fair, so there was an overwhelming amount of stalls and free stuff and lots of different activities. So that definitely has been really fun. In terms of my first seminars, I think that, that was really nice, uh, like meeting students on my course, because I feel like I didn't get to know that many students last year. But yeah, it has also been quite odd seeing people in person that I feel like I've been speaking to online for a whole year. forgot they actual people. It's great to hear from you, Kinga.
1: I feel like you as well. I'm a third year student and sometimes I feel like I've got on campus so I get the feeling. So Lucia you said you just graduated how was you graduating with Covid and how do you feel, feel like getting back on campus?
7: Yeah so my sort of half of my second year and my whole final year was done online pretty much between four walls so that was definitely not what I was expecting but I think because I did a course I really loved for me I sort of transitioned to online learning quite well I really enjoyed doing my dissertation it was a bit more difficult you know not having the support 24-7 that I would have on campus but I adjusted quite well and I still really enjoyed my final year they did a lot the university to provide us with the same support so I felt like a lot wasn't taken away from me so I actually did quite enjoy my final year. It is strange being back on campus definitely I feel like I shouldn't be here anymore I've graduated but it is a nice feeling to see everyone back into the swing of life. I sort of didn't get the disjoint with Covid so my first year was sort of similar to how it is now on campus i've never seen it as a ghost town so it's really nice to see everybody's back and enjoying the university
0: we've got something in common as well not the first class degree i didn't get that (laughs) so we haven't got that in common but you're from leeds as well i'm from leeds and we both chose the university of leeds yeah so what was your what was you thinking why did you think oh do you know what i'm going to stay in the city. This is where I'm going to come to.
7: Number one, my mum's cooking. Uh, that was <laughs> definitely a big factor. What's me the speciality? Oh, she cooks everything. Um. um She cooks everything. She's she's really good. Um, so her cooking definitely roast dinner. Can't say no to that. Mainly, it was having such a great university right on my doorstep. I think Leeds is a great city. I absolutely love it, which is why I'm still here. I think the course that I did, criminology. I think it's number three in the table. So you know, it just speaks for itself. Like the student experience has been brilliant, and I think with the amount of international students and other students that come to the university it just speaks volumes for how the campus is its facilities and the research that they do so yeah it was it was a no-brainer for me it had everything that i needed
0: we definitely need to speak about societies and stuff you got involved in in a moment but before we do that i just want to say hi to kevin as well who sat there very patiently waiting just tell us a bit about your
8: path and how you've ended up at University of Leeds. So, I'm from Leeds. Um, I didn't set the university route, so a, a life-changing event, alpha health event. And I lost a, a pretty well-paid job, so I went down the education route. I failed functional English level one and level two, so I thought I'd better do something about this, and that sort of snowballed, and I ended up coming to an open day, and... Once I knew I could get into University of Leeds, there was no other choice for me. It was going to be the University of Leeds. The Parkinson Building is such an iconic building, and another student sort of describes walking up them steps for the first time as a rocky moment, and it really is a rocky moment, especially if you're from Leeds. I and mean, it is like walking up them steps; it's an amazing, amazing feeling. The first time I got a, a, a my timetable, and I, I was in the Parkinson Building, I was, I was pretty much beside myself. Well, this is this is it. I've, I've made it. I'm more than, more than just more than happy to be here. I'm so passionate about it. So there's the a part we get. From I'm with the lifelong learning centre the support of it I didn't think I could get that I didn't think I could get in the alternative entry route and all that sort of things that I didn't know about just blown me away absolutely blown me away every minute and I've become I'm getting more and more involved now so I've just become the school rep as well so uh, nearly 50 years old I think one of the big things about the university that I've seen I was very happy as of at first but going around the libraries especially when the campus is full how many young people are working and working very very hard and a lot of the young people in this country get such a bad rap. You come around these universities and see these 18, 19-year-olds, and you cannot get a space, especially in the law Library, which is when I use, you can't get a space for people studying.
0: Just tell us a bit about the Lifelong Learning Centre, because some people listening might have been hearing that for the first time, thinking, what, you know, how does that work? How has it helped you? How might it help
8: someone else You might be listening and thinking, that, that sounds like it could be for me? So I, I applied when I was 45, and I didn't know about the Life and Learning Centre, I thought everything just come through a normal route, you had to have A levels and things like that, but when you get to talking to the, the Life and Learning Centre, the support that's in place, it, it's its designed for people like me who have come out of a, maybe a long-term manual job and are, are having to make the change into academics. because you can't do that physical stuff anymore. And you're going to go back and start again, and the support is just incredible. We take discovery modules as well as the lifelong learning centre modules, and the difference in support is, is, is unreal. Because we're mature students, we've got families, we've got I've got grandkids, I've got brothers that are having problems, I've got all elderly parents and things like that. They do bend over backwards to make sure that they give you the time to finish. So if you need to go and mitigate circumstances, there's no, there's no questioning it. it they will, they and the support to to get you through that sort of thing. They understand my situation. They understand my mental health. That's a that's problem I have My my health-changing life. It was a life-changing event. I have no problem speaking up and saying I'm struggling, and they're there to help.
0: So you talk about support I mean you know King I know you're involved in in a totally different area in supporting people as well That like you've been getting involved in the uh, the pro bono placements right so tell us a little bit about that
5: Yeah so my pro bono placement is with Support Through Court and that involves giving people practical and emotional support for people that are going through court by themselves without any legal representation and I was given that opportunity through the university they put out an application process the university interviewed you and then they referred you onto there um, and they have been really supportive. And that volunteering is amazing because you, you can see the difference you make to people like instantly. It's really interesting because um, I'm not quite sure what I want to do after uni yet, but seeing what a difference that field can make to people is really nice. It is quite difficult as you do have clients that are going through very distressing cases. I see a lot of clients that have gone through domestic abuse and have to represent themselves in court. But the university is very supportive with that in terms of if you feel like you're struggling too much with that emotionally and yeah the place is also very supportive so yeah i'm very glad that i can access opportunities like that through the university even though it's not directly related to the university the fact that they open up opportunities like that is amazing
8: these when you're talking about the volunteering stuff you do at court that's the sort of stuff we don't hear about in the press we just hear about loads of students living on microwave meals we don't hear the work that they actually do which as, I, as I, obviously a few years ago, yes, I had that sort of opinion, but now that sort of total, total changed, and what I say and, and that it's, it, it's it's really is inspiring. The country's in, in pretty good hands. That sounds a little bit cheesy, but no,
0: well, I, I, still, I still like a microwave meal To be fair,
8: <laughs> we all like, like one of we all like <laughs> like those pot song, you know, <laughs> again, don't we?
1: So yeah, it's amazing to see how many students get involved in societies and in volunteering projects. And Lucia, can you tell? us a bit more about
7: how you joined societies, what societies you joined, how was your project? Yeah so I've done quite a bit of volunteering in my three years at the university. So I first was student representative for my cohort which was quite good, it was eye-opening. It was great to sort of be the link between the students and you know the lecturers and senior members of staff and it was nice to be able to feel like I was making a difference in terms of when people had things wrong and being able to voice them and you know actually get a resolution. I created my my own society the end of my first year it was makeup society the difficulties we had were obviously when everything went online and you know I had a lot more responsibility so I stepped down from that but it was it was a really valuable experience sort of having project management skills in terms of organizing events it definitely helped me when I was looking to revise for exams I was more you know conscious of my time and how I use it and then in my second year, I volunteered with West Hulch Police. So I was on a project where I went on different attachments. So I went with CSI, which was really, really cool. I went on different ride-alongs. I was with the proactive team and the reactive team. And I also got to do a couple of hours with CID, so like major crimes. And that was, you know, that's my dream job. So that was really, really cool. And at the end of that, we're looking to put out some information for students. It was burglary robbery sort of looking at prevention tips and I got in touch with safer leads from that there's a charity that work in Leeds and I've kept in touch and still you know do odd bits and bobs for them I'm also with support through court like Kinga um so I've been doing that since my second year and that as she said is it's just really invaluable I couldn't recommend enough sort of the extracurricular things that you can do the volunteering that they have I mean it's it's different to being face-to-face with people with appointments, but over the phone, it is really moving, and it's it's nice to for that hour that you've got that person to feel like you're making a difference. It's nice to feel like, you know, you're making a difference to someone that you can relate to, to be a part of something bigger. I think that's definitely one of the things that I would suggest to anyone is just get involved, say yes to everything. Not everything, but say yes to some of the opportunities that come up and you know, never take anything for granted. Just very quickly before
0: you go, I just wonder whether there was one thing, I mean, you've just graduated, you just finished, so you're, you're back here. One thing that you think you'll always take with you from your time here at Leeds Union and also the same for for you guys who are still in the midst of it right now, but what is that one thing that's going to be the, the invaluable
8: thing that you think you'll take with you? There's so many things. It's not just one particular thing. It, it, the whole thing, the whole package has been so good. The inclusivity. People embrace you, they, they, they want to talk to you, they want to be involved with you. And, I didn't think anybody would want to know my story, but when you get talking, people want to know why I've not come to uni at 18, why I've waited till I was 45, 46. They want to know the sort of logistics of why I'm where I am and why I'm now becoming school rep and um, just applied to be a trustee for the university union and things like that. I think I've, I've got a voice for the first time from being on the production line for so long. And now I've got a voice and I think I can make a difference to... If I can make a difference to one person, i will be very happy. But I think by becoming part of the union and becoming part of that, that structure, you, you can... You can make a lot of changes, and you can influence people. I'm looking to influence people of my age to get off the production lines and come come to university and, and come to learn and, and change their lives. It's changed my life as it is so much.
7: So my bit of advice would be: it's just that you can, you can do, you know, whatever you set your mind to. And I think that's something I learned very late on in my academic journey. Regardless of where you came from or you know what journey you went through, I think it's so important to know that. Whatever you set your sights on, you can do it. The university has have so much support and you know there's so many opportunities that will help you get where you want to be. You've just got to, you know, tell yourself that you can and that you deserve it. I spent a lot of time thinking that I couldn't and here I am, you know, I've graduated, I've got a job and it's it's just something I never even dreamed of. So yeah, definitely if you're sat thinking that you're not good enough to go to uni or you don't think you can do it, you definitely can. So just give it a go. I would say always remind yourself that you definitely deserve to be here
5: I know that in like my first couple of weeks I was just thinking like oh is this right for me especially being surrounded by uh, really intelligent people on my course I, I did feel a bit left out and as well I think in that first week people really like to share what grades they got which isn't <laughs> uh, which isn't really always the best when because you, you, d- you do compare yourself a lot but I do think to try and get out of that mindset and just remind yourself that you do deserve to be here um, as much as everyone else and yeah that is regardless of your background, your lecturers or any of the staff wouldn't see you in a different way because of it I think if anything it can almost feel like a b- bigger achievement because you you have to overcome more barriers and staff and lecturers that do like to remind you of that and yeah, I think that is really nice. I'll just have to ask, what's your favourite
7: place in Leeds? So my favourite place in Leeds is Old Bar it's just sort of below, sort of within the union building. I absolutely love curly fries there. Second to none, I mean, I'm from Leeds, and I've tried curly fries from a lot of places, but, yeah, they're definitely really nice from there. And it's they do, I think, pub quizzes as well. They've always got music. It just gives you everything that you might need, great food, great vibes, and everyone's there. It sort of feels like you're in a different place. It feels like you're not at uni when you go there. So, yeah, I definitely
8: loved it. So they do loaded uh, curly fries as well. Yeah, the cheese, yeah, they, they do. They oh.
7: do chips. They do gravy oh, and chips they do they do everything so I recommend <laughs>
8: just being on campus for me because it taken it, it, it so long to get here it took 30 years to actually get here just anywhere on campus especially when the sun's out and, the, and it's busy and there is a really nice atmosphere it's a really comfortable atmosphere and they all think I'm a chewer, so <laughs> I, look, I look like a professor. So I'm I've got to be mistaken at times.
5: So my favourite place in Leeds is Belgrave, which is a bar, but they do everything there. So, like in the day, they do like yoga classes, but in the evening, they have DJs seven days a week, and it's just got such a nice student feel. They do gigs like every couple of weeks, but then they just do like host different events Uh, like the other week I went to like a a whole food stalls. they had one of the biggest ones in Leeds and you could try everything there from vegan katsu pumpkin sushi to quack pizza which was (laughs) like uh, this pizza that had vegan duck on it. Yeah I've never tried anything like it, it was really good.
0: Great, thank you so much all all of you for joining us, we'd love to continue but I've now got a massive craving for loaded curly fries (laughs) Uh, so we'll just all go down one flight of stairs Uh, two flights of stairs actually from where we are at the moment and do that but thank you so much all of you for for joining us on forever leads really appreciate it
1: and that's the end of this edition of forever leads we hope you've enjoyed listening If you're a former or current student at Leeds, you will know how valuable the university is to our lives. So if you'd like to help others benefit from the same Leeds experience that we've enjoyed, why not consider supporting the university's Footsteps Fund?
0: The fund provides scholarships to hundreds of outstanding students and gives them the financial security they need to take up their places at Leeds. It's all supported by alumni, and since 2004, nearly 16,000 people have donated a total of over £7 million to help talented students get to Leeds. Search Leeds. Leeds alumni footsteps fund to find out how you can join in and help
1: and that's the end of the podcast thanks for listening to forever leads from me alba Goskova,
0: and from me rich williams and we'll see you next time